Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Podcast are struggling with the existential question of whether or not it's an old firm or a Glasgow Derby. Joining me to ponder this moral quandary, I have Craig Anderson. Hello. And I also have Tom Watt. Hello. Any quick thoughts on which you'd rather go for? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but before we get to our usual weekend roundup, we're going to start with a quick game of Hotties or Noughties, the trend that's sweeping the nation. Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go for a, a boring one, Rory McKenzie. Um, I have been a long time critic of Rory McKenzie not, not a critic, that's, that's unfair I like Rory McKenzie but I have always questioned how much actual footballing ability he has, he runs around a lot, he's a really hard worker but he fundamentally came into the Kelly team originally as a striker, as a forward player and I believe he scored 17 goals in over 200 matches for Kelly so goals not his forte but um since Clark came in, it, it, last season he had a really good spell. He thought he was leaving in the January. It, it looked like he was kind of out the door. Um, he had a, a couple of good games. Suddenly he was kind of a, a fixture in the right-hand side of the team. Then he struggled for a game again this season because Chris Burke's been so good. But in recent weeks, every time he's kind of been called upon, he's been very good. And on Saturday, he was fantastic. Okay, it was against Hamilton Ackies, but 
he was just it was an incredible performance. He was very unlucky not to win the the stadium man of the match. Um, Yusuf Malumbu won that. He was also very good. But to the point, um, one that I, I was kind of needing the toilet and I knew I was going to be rushing for the train. So a Hamilton <laughs> Hamilton player went down with a head knock with about five minutes to go, and I thought I'm going to quickly run nip down the toilet. And they announced that Malumbu was man of the match. And as I was in there, the boy in the to- the boy in the toilet just started shouting. Why the fuck's Mackenzie no got that? <laughs> like nobody in particular. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that, it's just a kind of um, reflection on how good he's been in recent weeks. And it'll be interesting now with um, big games coming up. Buck has been so good this season. Are they going to try and fit both of them into the team? Or, well, it kind of have to be a case of pick one from two. Probably still not good enough for the Scotland squad, though, which I no. saw somebody suggest. No, I know. I think, uh, I think, uh, I was very surprised when I looked him up to find out that Rory McKenzie is only 25, but um, he is not Scotland squad material, no. Tom? Uh, Jim Goodwin, again, I mean, he, for any number of any number of points this season, we could have said Jim Goodwin, haughty, but... I think I, a lot of the ladies would um, agree that he's a haughty also. Silver fox, just thinning silver fox, but uh, yeah, an absolute haughty... Um, and a, a massive win for them this weekend. Uh, like any kind of fool who decides to bet on championship football um, at the moment will know all too well. Um, they could have been five points adrift at Alloa, um, but they beat Ross County. They kept a clean sheet for the first time in a number of weeks. Um, and there's, they're still hanging in there with... Uh, a, you know, nobody gave them kind of a prayer at the start of the season and people thought that, you know, after ten games they're they're still hanging in there. They don't seem to they don't they just don't seem to die. Um they, they can go from a couple of games and, and, and lose they never seem to lose heavily uh, as we said right throughout the season. They they just seem to be able to hang in on uh, there in games. And again they they looked really organized and um beat Ross County who um yeah and in a week when um, Queen of the South and Partick Thistle both won. Weirdly, Falkirk drew and dropped down into ninth position. All the teams, all four teams at the bottom, had a really, really good week. Um, and we've now got this really strange situation where it's like the five teams at the top who are going for the the title and or playoffs, and the five teams at the bottom they're all in danger of, of getting relegated. And Alloa have kept touch with them. Um, and yeah, I think I'm ready to they play Falkirk this weekend, so that's a, a massive. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah. they've got Queens, Falkirk, and uh, Morton maybe in their next three or four so matches or something like that. So um, yeah, yeah, if they can just drag out probably a couple more wins out of those games, they have a decent chance of um, of hanging around. Definitely, yeah. The worry is just that their teams are uh, other teams at the bottom are picking up points. Yeah, say Morton. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Morton was going to be my naughty, but. Um, in the end, I decided to go for the Madeleine McCann documentary. I wanted to ask, first of all, why is it eight hours long? Why the fuck is it eight, eight episodes long? It's also, it's eight, um, it's, I watched, I've watched all of it. And as someone Me who... Me too, because who, I started it. Well, so. uh, as someone who, like, I, I would not pretend to be any kind of, like, expert on the story... But I followed the story, and having watched eight hours of it, I've learned nothing. No further forward. I was just my memory was refreshed from all the tabloid stuff that was happening at the time. The the documentary it, it seemed to bring nothing new. It didn't. Um, this cost a lot of money. It well. didn't move the story on, uh, or the investigation on. Sorry, the story, the investigation on, uh, and it just seemed like uh, they were trying to cash in on this kind of this burst of true crime documentaries and it, it was shit I, I haven't watched it um, I probably won't I'm not a Netflix person I don't I just 
don't bother. I watch lots of shite on YouTube and that does me. Um, but uh, I just know that the key words from Madeline McCann's story, they're like, and I don't know the, the age that I was when I was growing up. Like, I remember about 14 or 15 when that happened. I can't remember. How long ago was it? 2004? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, really later than that. Maybe I went to, I went to, maybe well, I went to Portugal this summer after it happened quite nearby. Oh, how coincidental. Oh, I know. No, I was there. It was after <laughs> my alibis being checked. Um, and uh, I just remember it all. But I remember all those keywords. I remember Arguido, Arguido. Um, exactly. That's what I mean. So it was just that, that this documentary was full of those things where yeah. it was just remi- it was reminding remember you of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to have cost an awful lot of money to put together something that could have been done in ninety minutes, and you'd have been like, eh, right, oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 great. But, I mean, even in the even in the build up, there's some controversy about, about whether or not it, it was going to help or hinder any possible investigation. And I've never seen a documentary that doesn't fall down on either side do, do or think, point any fingers or do anything. Do you think it was potentially like they had stuff that they weren't allowed to include? No. Or do you think, well, yeah, it was a fitted of this including no, literally, just no. literally everything no. they filmed? I mean, it's just trying to make money. Incredibly high production value okay. as well. Okay. It looked great. Yeah. As much a, as a, I think a lot documentary. Of now, right, though, it's, like, it's all stop, sorry, yeah, substance over, oh, sorry, style over substance. Uh, something else that costs a lot of money to put together and as pish as this Rangers team. And they were <laughs> defeated 2-1 by Celtic at the weekend. Now, um, I mean, I said that a bit flippantly. They were actually pretty good in this game considering they went down to 10 men for a lot of it. Um, sorry, they were down to 10 men for a lot of it. Um, it was another late winner from Lennon's side and all three of these Old Firm games have been decided by just a single goal so despite Rangers' modest points total do these results looking at them in isolation does it give any indication of how much closer Rangers have got to Celtic? Uh, they've got closer I think but it's more been Celtic coming in the opposite direction to be honest um, Celtic team that Celtic performance yesterday was a shadow of anything you saw in those games under um, under Rodgers, even thinking back, okay, they, they lost it at Ibrook, which was a different game, but even thinking back to the first one at Celtic Park, it was a um, it was a narrow scoreline, but Celtic were thoroughly dominant throughout that game, and, and likewise, um, other ones last season, you know, there's five nils and five ones and all these sort of massive thumping scorelines, and Rangers were much more competitive with Celtic, but I think a lot of that was down to Celtic kind of... They, they were very good for about 25 minutes and actually the, the red card killed their game as much as it did Rangers. Rangers are very, very used to playing with 10 men. When, well, I mean, if, you, if your yeah, centre forward has been sent off five times this season, then... But for this game as well, they it was very much like the game early in the season at Pataudry when they went down to 10 men. Yeah. Um, rather, a lot of clubs at that point will go lone striker, two banks of four. Yeah. Um, Gerard instead, when... Uh, the head's cut off his team when Morelos is sent off. He likes his two wide players to play just a bit narrower and they keep the same setup otherwise. And and they've held their own in both yeah, of those yeah. games. Well, even thinking back to um, when they went away to Ufa in mm-hmm. the Europa League and they went down nine yeah, men yeah. in that game and they were incredible. It was such an excellent defensive performance. And it was the same Ryan Kent um, dragged them through that game because he was the player that was taking the ball up the park. And it was that to some extent again yesterday. Um he was the one, um, more so than Candace. Candace was all right at it, that it was picking up the ball and just taking the pressure off the rest of the team. And it did help that um, Celtic seemed to kind of 
also go down to ten men at half time when they put Sinclair on. Um, for he, I was very surprised. I knew because I understand the logic of he's been on a booking and he's kind of flung himself into a few tackles. He was clearly up for the game, but I thought he's was was had a very good first half. Um, he kind of kept Tavernier pinned back, and then Sinclair was anonymous um, as he has been. In a lot of big games. Yeah. I mean, one one of the reasons I think it was the most entertaining of the recent uh, Old Firm slash Glasgow derbies um, was that were was two quite flawed teams, mm. and and Celtic's did did start incredibly well, didn't really know what to do in the second half, and but credit to Gerard, and I think it's been apparent over the course of the season that when he's been asked to kind of force the issue, he doesn't have a plan B. But they, he, he does seem to have a plan His B, plan B when, there, when there's a bit of adversity, <laughs> and they've had a plenty of opportunity to, to kind of face this adversity. And you know they re, they they came out in the second half and they really uh, went to Celtic and scored and had other opportunities afterwards. And I mean, one of the reasons that it was an entertaining game for the neutral was it was kind of a bit of a ding dong, and both teams had a chance to win it, and both teams felt, you know. The, there was no, there was never any point where the momentum was so far in one side after that initial twenty minutes, when it was like guaranteed that someone was going to win. And you know, Lennon made a couple of baffling mm. tactical decisions. Yeah. I think the the his coming off was was a strange one. Um, the fan substitution was a strange one. He's just back. I can maybe see that one a bit more. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it was only sixty minutes mm-hmm. in. Um, wasn't enforced one, and then. You know, lose lose Tierney to um, an injury, and then um, uh, you know, then you're forced into another substitution and, and down to ten men, and that, given that they'd engineered a red card and and a, a kind of lopsided match from that point, it, it, it Celtic had to overcome more adversity to win it than than they needed to, and they were poor in the second half. Celtic um, up until when they needed to, well, they, they needed a goal. Even at that, it was a moment. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was something awful they created themselves. Yeah. It was yeah. a very good transition because they pick up the ball in one, two, or three passes, and it's it's a goal. But and it's yeah. the type of finish that Forrest has really yeah. improved on recently. That one touch to kill it, and then putting it in the bottom corner. I've scored him. Saw him score that goal quite a bit this season. Yeah, and and he's, he's um, it, it did it did baffle me that um, okay it was San Marino, but he was left out for Scotland in that game. Okay, he played poorly in the previous one, but that's the type of player that for me Forrest and um, Fraser every time they're fit should be the wingers for Scotland, and there shouldn't really be much question about that. And um, yeah, you, you just saw what he can do just in a moment. That's that's what wins your game. A moment. It was what won Scotland the um, Israel game with, yeah. with three moments yeah. um, from <laughs> Forrest and. Um, He's just, he's just definitely over the last two years the most improved player in Scottish football. He's just, he's just um, when it matters. In fact, it's always been the case when it matters, he steps up. He scores so many goals in cup finals and moments like that, and that's why he's there. And Edward again does what he did, what he does, which is he, he, he was fairly anonymous for a lot of the game. But he's just when he gets those little touches, mm-hmm. he was obviously involved in in that goal and in the one he scored. Himself. Took his goal very well. It as was well. just, yeah. uh, it just really. It's actually three really good goals in this game. The Rangers goal as well. Um, like we said, after half time they performed really well with ten men. Kent uh, was a standout. Took his goal really well, but not just the creating the space and the finish. That goal starts with. 
McGregor clipping it out to Tavernier on the on the wing that they're under pressure from Celtic pressing them, and it was a really well taken goal. Yeah, and and um, I I just think uh, they are doing better in these games, Rangers, because yeah, that Gerard is much better at being able to set it up. It's not even set up his team defensively, but set up his team to be pretty organised. They've been organised in every game against Celtic. Um, in a way that Kishinia's team certainly were not. Um, Murray was hit and miss because he was he's a bit of a joke figure manager, not really a proper manager. Right, so we'll move on from this game, I guess. Then we'll rewind all the way back to Friday night, the other live game of the weekend, and that was Livingston 1, Hibernian 2. Hibs temporarily moved above Hearts with the win. This was... I mean, it was a terrible match for about 70 minutes. There was a chance really early on through Malin, and then not much happened between then and uh, Slivka. Who, it was a double sub. Uh, Mackie. Mackie yeah. and Slivka. No, um, it was... Um, wasn't Mackie. It no, was Mackie's a left back. Um, we'll get it in a sec. Anyway, came on and they, they changed the game in Hibbs' favour. Um, almost instantly, Slivka has a burst and run that kind of wins that corner, and then Hibbs go ahead through... Uh, Paul Hanlon. Yeah, and it was a really, really nice finish. Goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting whether whether it was just a, a line that um, Eckenbottom came out with afterwards. Murray, it, Fraser Murray, sorry. <laughs> whether it was a whether it was a line that, that you know a manager comes out with afterwards and sort of retrospectively fits what happened and what he tried to do, but he said we wanted to make it more of a sort of scrappy running mm. game where we're trying to play more directly and we're trying to force it because. What we were doing before, just you know, the, the, for the best part of seventy minutes, nothing was nothing was coming off, um, and that was what happened. Uh, it, like I say, I'm not sure entirely whether that was just he got lucky with the substitutions, but he has seemed to be quite good at the, the, the tactical substitutions in the in the last couple of matches, um, and it, it did uh, open uh, open Livingston up. They did manage to find runners more often, and they managed to play almost. A more direct game without playing more long balls, which, yeah, which is a, you know a good trick if you can do it. I think like Hibs have been. Um, I'm definitely very interested to watch um, Kelly play them on Wednesday night. I'm definitely very interested to see what they offer because they turned up at Rugby Park the last time in an absolute shambles and um, got got torn to shreds. Um, but since then, or not since then, since Hacking Bottom came in, they've been very good. I've watched them a couple of times on the TV and thought. Yeah, they've got a result, but they've really looked quite poor as a team. Um, against Rangers, they were they were battled for most of the game, but then got the goal the other night. They were, I mean, they, they weren't any worse than Livingston, but they normally any better for most of the game. And then um, they obviously got a couple of goals. It was it was a nice finish from Hanlon. Um, he's, he's not he scored a lot last season. He's not as far as I can remember scored as many this time around. Um, and then they say, be his first this it season. could it could well be. Um, and then Malin, I think a fantastic goal. There. It was a weekend of really good goals, actually. Yeah. And they take four um, touches. Yeah, and the touches, and every single one was just like a perfect touch. It just that there's just I think it's a rare quality in Scottish, or it has been for a long time a rare quality in Scottish football that you you get a, a midfield player, a, a, a forward player, attacking player who can just touch the ball so well where they're just creating space for themselves. But now we're we're kind of in an era where we've got a few more of them. We've got um. We've got Malin, we've got Ryan Christie, um, David Turnbull. We've got these boys that you just watch them with the ball, and you're just like every little, t- every time they touch the ball is for a reason. It does yeah. something. It's not just pointless. There's like, and and obviously Malin has his critics in terms of just constantly bashing shots from forty yards like into the stands. But 
he's got those little moments that make you think that going forward he will be a big player. Um, I somewhat erroneously tipped him to maybe be a player of the year candidate in August, but he was not quite at that, but he's definitely a, a nice player. It's, I mean, it, it, it's also interesting that like, Hibs have, they've had a, a storming run and they're all but guaranteed the top six place now. Whether it's unfair to suggest that that's because the kind of shackles are off and they've, they've there was obviously a lot of doom and gloom there for a bit, and that's that's kind of passed. And whether an new manager, an other person yeah. coming in would have would have had some kind of similar effect. And what's the heck and bottom of the uh, yeah. effect? Yeah, I mean, it's getting to a point where it's kind of sustained enough to mm-hmm. to give him a lot of credit for it. I, um, but I understand what you're saying there. Also, the results, Bar Rangers have all come against. Clubs in the bottom six, I believe, and I, they've got a bit more. Mo- yes. Their next two matches are Kilmarnock and Hearts, Hearts before yeah. the split, and then it's obviously the post-split uh, fixtures. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on between now uh, and the end of the season. For Livingston, um, Gary Holt said something curious after the game. He said is he criticises players for not heading their opponents' heads enough. Mm. That's. Yeah, sounds like a, an instruction tactic. you would only get at Livingston. Yeah, <laughs> uh, learned that one in the army. They for the first seventy minutes they kind of played levy ball, which mm. was they were they stopped Hibs from doing what Hibs wanted to do and were were fairly effective at it, even though they weren't doing anything themselves. They had a couple of decent chances. Um, Sibold obviously had a really good chance, um, which is kind of shanked wide. But yeah, yeah, they probably when Hibs switched it up, they didn't respond to it, and they wouldn't respond to it aggressively enough, and and and. I wonder if, to some extent, it's very hard when your season is more or less finished to keep going at the same intensity that they've been going at. Because it's like they've always, for the last two and a half years, had something to go for. They, mm-hmm. they had, you know, they wanted to win League One. They wanted to get promoted. They had the playoff. They wanted to prove themselves in the top flight. They've now proved themselves, and it's kind of like, okay, what, what are we here for now for the rest of this season? Obviously, Gallagher is uh, like. Seemingly off to Motherwell, um, how could they uh, sign for Hearts today? That leaves a massive glaring hole for them. That's going to be their summer. Is going to be how do we find two centre halves that can come in and play the way they do? Um, they're not going to be able to on the budget they have, so they're going to have to take punts. They're going to be looking at the lower leagues in Europe. They've already they already obviously bought in um, Hank Van Sheet and London Dykes. And, and, yeah, so yeah. Well, he's not a centre half, but oh, sorry, I thought yeah. we were just talking about. Uh, but you know, he has, yes, yeah, yeah, I think he'd be a good signing. But um, the boy Van Sheet's been out, out on loan. <coughs> Who knows if he's any the good? Mark. But that's that's the type of um, signings they're going to be making, and it will be very interesting to see what happens. Another two clubs who are probably going to be rebuilding their squads come the summer, but they just don't know in which division yet, are Samirin and Dundee. Samirin came out of Saturday's match with a 2-1 victory. It was a good game, this, um, and it bodes well, I think, for the bottom six fixtures. Um, that's two draws and two wins in the last six for St Mirren and it seems like the progress has been slow, but um, they may just be kind of coming to form at the, the right time. Yeah, and it was, it was good that both teams went for it. I mean, a couple of the, the matches this season between the two of them have been pretty cagey um, and you could imagine that this one might have been as well. I mean, we've been talking about this game for probably about 24 seconds, which was the amount of time that it took <laughs> from some, for some men to concede the opening goal from their own kickoff, yeah. which you you must have just thought, like, Kenny could be like, right, first 20 minutes, keep it tight, don't do anything stupid. 
people have not even sat down. This is the big one, you know, this is the season-defining moment. And uh, from your kickoff, you can see it after 24, 24 seconds. Um, but in saying that, the Sabrina of a couple of months ago would not have come no, back from that. And they did, they dug in, they got an equaliser um, pretty quickly. Um, uh, Danny Mullen, who seems to only score against uh, against Dundee, has only scored against Dundee. Yeah, season. three league goals a season, one other than the cup against uh, Spartans or something. But yeah, three league goals a season, all against Dundee. And I, mean, I, I believe the that, Terrace um, Curse striking so, again. Is that correct? Was it somebody on one of the last Oh yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, I'm just a, a reminder that St Mirren drew with Spartans uh, at the start of the season, just worth, <laughs> worth throwing in. Um, but the... Uh, I'm not going to be wrong on that, but I think they did. Um, they, they definitely drew a bunch of uh, Challenge Cup games against nobody's. Um, I could be wrong, but they, they drew with maybe it was Queen's Park. They drew with, but nonetheless, um, to continue that story, yes, I did. Um, I did say that Danny Mullen had left Livingston. I was talking about players. I think you said one of the from few Livingston. who hadn't gone on, uh, and, and, and um, yeah, he hadn't done very well, which he hasn't because he's only scored three goals this season, um, all against the worst team in the league. But um, if his team aren't the worst, um, but. Yeah, you, you, you can tell he's a good player. He's a very, I think he'll be a, he's a very good championship player in, in when he's playing against championship opposition. He scores goals, which is what happens on Saturday. <laughs> um, and I, my highlight of the game was Brad Lyon's celebration. Um, <laughs> do, doing a kind of specky gesture, which I thought was very good because he, he obviously um, knew what he was doing when he um, got, I assume, when he got his photo taken. With his specs, he on. knows it's coming. Yeah, yeah he knows that's it. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah the, anything that makes you different, um, folk are going to. And so the fact that obviously the fans were making making fun of him a bit, and he was able to kind of take it um, lightly, I thought was really good. And it and it looked like he had a very good game as well. Um, as a player who has been in, and you can't tell if he's good or not. I like all of those Madden players that they brought in recently, and um, because they're they're kind of been thrown into a big pile of shit. Like, how do you? How <laughs> I'm do still you, trying to work out. No, no, wait, that's for the Patreon. I'll save that for the yeah. Patreon. <laughs> yeah, please pay your money or else you are not getting Craig Cairns with Red Hot content. Red, red Hot Samaritan content. Cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you, you touched on, I think the Samaritan of a few months back would have folded. It did actually look like, certainly from the highlights, Dundee still made plenty of chances. Uh, and until until Samaritan scored again, then it looked like, it, you know, that kind of killed the game off. Um, two, I mean two, two bad teams. But credit to St. Mirren for for being a bit more gutsy about it and looking like they had a bit more about them. Um, especially they they look like they were getting wide. They look like they look like their January business seems to have paid off. They had a good few chances. Um, other than uh, Simeon Jackson was scored and was, it was offside. So you know they 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 deserved their win and they've given themselves a chance when it looked like they I think it's, it's over a third of their point. points have come against Dundee. They've got twenty points and they've got seven of them against. That's Dundee. your main relegation well, rival. Yeah, exactly. The other the other staggering St. Mirren stat I um, heard the other day. So St. Mirren have won fifty seven matches in the last five years. Thirty of those were under Jack Ross. There you go. Damn it. And yeah, so Dundee, though, not even the return of Admiral Nelson could uh, save them, despite them even going up within 24 seconds. As yeah, he created mentioned. a very good chance at 1 0 yeah. for, for himself. For himself. Yeah. He was still their best attacking threat and he had their best chance in the second half, which was a 
routine save from Hladke in the end, but yeah, that kind of looping shot that he had. But I think the main he loved feature... a punch during that entire game. He, there was a couple of like standard looking saves that you went with two fists. I'm a big fan. Very of European. Very European. Very, very European. Paliuka. But the um, but the the main worry for Dundee here, and I know it's not new to say this, but their defending was just horrific. The um, second goal, especially, um, they just I think it's Robson who's opened the scoring. He just lets Lions run off him into the box. Any, um, I think he just he's he's just given responsibility to the defenders. But the two centre halves are already already marking a player each. There's no pressure on the cross, and then there's two free headers in the in the box, and it's a goal, and it's just and you're fighting to stay in the division. That kind of stuff's criminal. I just would like to add. Um, I've done some fact checking. Sibirin <laughs> did indeed draw with Spartans and with Queens Park. So what a team! <laughs> <laughs> and they were all getting really happy. They were all getting really excited when the uh, Drew Kilmarnock went out. There's a Sibirin um, post on Pie and Bovril, which is something along the lines of. Um, Colin Kelly maybe a busted flush or the, no the bubble the bubble had burst at Kelly and House and Mirren had nothing to fear and I believe Kelly have got almost three times as many points yeah and um, it seems that Kilmarnock didn't get the memo about every game finishing 2-1 this weekend and they went out and humped Hamilton by five goals to nil Kelly are now up to third after Aberdeen's defeat, which we'll come to. And they did so, again, missing another couple of key players, um, which seems to have plagued them uh, most of this year. So if these injuries hadn't happened, Craig, and Greg Stewart was maybe still hanging about, would uh, we'd be, would Kelly be putting in a title challenge? Uh, um, if Greg Stewart was still there, I'm pretty sure we'd be second um, right now. Um, that's not to say that there'd be a title challenge. I think Celtic <laughs> won every single game. Not even one of those mid-season title ch- challenges that the media oh, like yeah. to we whip might, up. We might, have, we might have been like eight points away or something <laughs> and still been, but um, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing now is that the flow's kind of coming back to the team. We just had a, I mean, okay, yes, um, the, the players who left and were injured and so on caused a problem, but also like the run of games that we had after Christmas was, was ridiculous, I think it was. We played Rangers four times, um, twice in the Cup and twice in the League. Um, we played Celtic, we played Aberdeen, we played Hearts, all in that kind of space of time. And so, yeah, there was a couple of dodgy results in there. We um, kind of we, we lost to Livingston, which wasn't to be expected, and we lost to Hearts at home. Shouldn't have happened. Um, drop points up at Dundee. Things like that happened, which maybe went with a Stuart and the team wouldn't have. But ultimately, like the players that have been performing well all season, Alan Power, Stuart Findlay, um, Stephen O'Donnell to some extent, Greg Taylor, Daniel Backman, have all continued to play well. And it's it's hard to say. I think we'd be better off on the table, but I think you're already seeing players performing way beyond themselves. So I think it's kind of very hard to know. And this was a game of uh, tremendous assists. And we had the one for Taylor's goal at the start, the Malumbu pass. Um, Taylor just seems like this kind of guy who, like a Gary Naismith type, who isn't going to score much, but when he does, they're just going to be beauties. <laughs> um, and then there was the wonderful assist by Chris Boyd for McElhaney's mm. goal for the second. Yeah, but uh, Boyd, it was a very, very funny performance from Boyd. Obviously, uh, Stephen Thompson was making light of it on, on sports scene. Um, I'd be very surprised to see him starting. I kind of thought he um, probably wouldn't get many more shots in the team, but he. Um, Kind of played. I think he was missed again, or a player like him was missed in both the previous games against Hamilton, or certainly the one at New Douglas Park. He came on with about twenty minutes to go and ruffled their feathers. 
So it, it made sense in some ways to start him, and he occupied the defenders very well. But every time it got near him, it was it was just a nightmare. Like he, he seemed to be lacking confidence, which even though he's not scored a lot, you don't expect from Chris Boyd, where he was getting into positions where he would normally expect him to shoot, and he was finding a pass, which is not what games expect from him. Um, we did for. He, he, they had a very unselfish turn during this game, didn't they? Who's, yeah. he, who's he set up? And it was and like and he kind of made a mess of one. He nodded one down for McKenzie, which was maybe as well. Um, so, yeah, and he ultimately had a, a passable game. But the the funny thing was, Kelly were entirely dominant, and it was despite neither of the forwards really doing that much. And McElhinney had a fairly quiet game as well, but... Was he playing to the left? Was he yeah. like he was kind of playing yeah, a bit off? Um, it was kind of very fluid because Hamilton. I've I don't think in many many years I've seen a team as bad as Hamilton. It was funny though because there there are games when there are games when like the movement that of like the the winner is like decimates another team, and there's a, there's other games when they're so bad they look like they only have eight players on the pitch, That's and this I'm is one of those yeah. ones which was both. <laughs> it was like uh, everything everything Kelly. To do, you know, they, they, their fullbacks were getting space. They were getting space through the middle. They were getting balls into the box. They were getting space on the edge of the box. There was like a pretty simple ball from yeah. deep that was cutting out three defenders yeah. and finding some. Like the, um, I think it was was it Malumbu's goal where it was like three players were taken out with a really simple pass. Yeah, they just and, they just got done by McKenzie. They thought McKenzie's going to shoot and they didn't even think about the possibility of a pass. And it, it's... It, I mean, it's this Hamilton phenomenon again that they just don't get bogged down and they can bounce back from, you know, a 3-0 defeat to Motherwell, a 5-0 defeat to uh, to Kelly and then they'll beat Hearts and beat Aberdeen and, and, and doesn't seem to phase them at all. Hearts clearly don't have bad. the movement to trouble them. <laughs> but, 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 so they played um, they played three at the back, so they played kind of a sort of three five two ish thing. Um they've got three centre backs and two wing backs, and yet Greg Taylor constantly had acres of space down the left and it was almost like they'd went well Stephen O'Donnell was the Scotland squad, Scotland, potentially even Scotland's first choice right back just now. We'll double up on him, and they never worried about the other side of the park at all, which is where all the damage came from. And it, it just it was just puzzling, like where where were their players? Because if you've got five, three centre halves and three central midfielders there, but everyone's getting space. It's like you said, Tom, them about having fewer players. There was counter attacks where Hamilton kind of had half an attack where they didn't even do anything. One of the Kelly defenders, or Gary Dicker, would win the ball, and they would play one pass forward and it was like a four on three for Kelly but Hamlin hadn't put numbers in attack either and it's like where were they where were their players because it was a game where you were worried at one now at half time only because Kelly you, you thought surely Hamilton can't be as bad in the second half but they were as bad in the second half and I kind of you know like I, yeah of course I enjoyed um, a 5-0 win and it's our biggest biggest home win in the league since we got promoted the biggest home win in the league in the top flight since um, beat Air in the 70s 76. Um, 6-1 against just can't Air. let it go without having a dig at Air yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a fact, just a fact Craig um, and you, you know obviously you came away very excited but I wasn't even that excited because Not against this Hamlet was team, so no. shit it was like we didn't have to work for that win we played very well but you don't, you know, when we, when we beat Hibs, um, even though they were inept, and you came out and you're like, oh, that's, that's an amazing result, or um, various other nights where you're kind of properly buzzing about it, it was kind of like, 
Yeah, it was kind of like if you beat um, some League Two team in in the cup. Like, I think I think there was a lot to be said for. It's kind of what you what you're saying, but there was a lot to be said for Angelia's goal, the last goal at the end when you're like hits the screamer from the edge of the box that beats the keeper at the near post, and he's obviously delighted and turns away to celebrate, and everyone else is like, "Cool, yeah. cool." There's the fifth one, right? Yeah. Job I, done. It was a bit like that, and it was just yeah, a, a nonsense game, to be honest. Gary, sure Gary was a just same. a quick moment on him for Joel because he was shite. <laughs> I'm sure it was uh, just before we move on. I'm sure it was the same with uh, Burke. I don't think the cel- I don't think Burke celebrates his goal. Burke didn't either. mean it. That's why. Is that what it is? Right. I, I oh, think it's the one that uh, takes a deflection. Yeah, I think Burke was trying to cross it. I'm very surprised he's actually right. awarded the goal. But yeah, it was. Um, it was interesting because he came on. He's had a very good season, and he came on and um, obviously had a wee point to prove, and it, and it kind of came at the right time. But well, a player who certainly did celebrate was Uche Piazzu after his winner at Tynecastle against Aberdeen. Yeah, a game which saw that English League Two forward absolutely ragdoll the seven point five million rated Scott McKenna. Yep, <laughs> um, he totally changed the game. Uh, in the in the mean in the first half. Aberdeen were excellent. Graham Shinney ran the midfield. Um, they created a handful of chances. Ish the one you know they they got their goal. They looked relatively comfortable in the first half. Um, APS was harshly booked for diving. Yeah, missed an absolute sitter. Um, missed they missed an open goal yeah. and scored the winner. It had it had a, a an incredibly effective game and just. Neither um, McKenna or Constantine knew what to do. With yeah, it. there were so many times when uh, the, the ball, and he's, he's done this all season, but uh, right from when he kind of first announced himself on the scene against Inverness, um, he'll attract a couple of players over towards him and then he'll still somehow spin them and emerge with the ball. It's, it's fantastic to watch. I mean, I reckon, obviously I'm biased as fuck being a Hearts fan, but I reckon <laughs> uh, if I was a neutral, he'd be one of my favourite players in the league. He's just he's just brilliant to watch was, when he's on his game. It was, I mean, the first time you saw him, was, uh, the first time most people saw him, I guess, was the League Cup game. Um, the Livy one, yeah. Uh, did I say Olivia? I meant it Bernice when I said it earlier. And you're like, sorry. whoa, whoa. Because you, you kind of hear the reputation of this guy coming up and you're like, he's just going to be a big lump. Yeah. Um, and... And then you watch him and they're like, no, this guy is very good. And then he came to Robbie Park and um, brought, I think it was Broadfoot and Finley played centre half for us that day. We're, we're pretty good against him, but he still scored the winning goal. And you're just watching him just ragdolling people just left, right and centre. Um, ability, there's maybe not lots of it no, there. No, no. And he's not um, a prolific goal scorer. Yeah. He's going to need a goal scorer or goal scorers around alongside him. But... Um, yeah, I mean, those for a Craig Levine team, the attributes that he does I, have I are do, invaluable. I do. Um, I, I, was, I was very pleased uh, to see, um, I completely forgotten he's existed, Craig Whiten. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he, um, his contribution is exactly what you'd expect, which is to spawn a golden opportunity. <laughs> but uh, I, I had actually forgotten. I watched the highlights and I was like, oh, oh Craig Whiten, yeah, I remember him. Um, but, but yeah, Hearts... I think it was a big performance and a big game for them. Although Hearts have been doing not terribly of late, they've obviously kind of stumbled a wee bit. Um, they only just got past um, Partick Thistle in the Cup. They've had little moments here and there. Uh, obviously lost to Hamilton. Shit-fisted it to uh, win against Dundee 1-0. Yeah. Um, and so they, um, with a big Cup semi-final coming up, it was important for them to get... Um, to get a win and a big win and just a tough run of fixtures yeah, in general because next weekend and, and Rangers, I mean they're, they're, I, I suspect most Hearts fans have written off Rangers as you have but Rangers got, Hibs in the top six I mean yeah. like I say they've, uh, they've, got, they've got eight apart from Inverness and the Cup they've got seven 
big games coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're. The, the Aberdeen Harkins. That's not to say that the Scottish Cup semi final is not a big game. <laughs> um, it's to say that the opposition are not. Um, of course, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Aberdeen Hearts games have been intriguing because they've never like properly boiled over into like full on violence, but they've been really niggly. I mean, twenty four bookings, one red card, and four so, four penalties in two matches. There was quite a lot of penalty shouts uh, yeah. in the last game at Tynecastle as yeah. well that weren't given. Yeah, yeah, and there's been a couple given that probably weren't and uh, at least two or three over the this season that, that probably should have been. Um, so they're, they're kind of niggly competitive games and um, yeah, it, it, it I haven't seen a, a, a more like, I mean Aberdeen a little bit, obviously I'm biased here, a, a more, I've had a kind of Jekyll and Hyde season and they have, they have rarely turned up for 90 minutes. But in the first half I thought, Shinny and Ferguson were excellent. They did everything that they wanted to do. And Conor McLennan has been the best player of 2019 for Aberdeen. And um, just looked like they were comfortable. They had hearts where they wanted them. Um, and were, were completely dominant in midfield when it looked like what Levine was trying to do was to set up to control midfield and, and play with, with the wingbacks. In the second half, he... I mean, a little bit like we said with with what um, Hibs did. They were a little bit more direct. Uh, Hearts were played a little bit more. Uh, they played higher up the park, and got and Ipswich was pretty much unplayable and completely by uh, and they managed to completely by, bypass Graham Shinney, who I, I thought had a very good game in the first half. Um, but yeah, it's nicely opened up the entire. League from second to sixth. Yeah, Hibs's form has taken them in with a shout. Yeah, so you you, you wouldn't be surprised if any of those four teams, whatever combination it'll finish uh, from third to sixth, you wouldn't be you'd be surprised. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I, again, I'm just if there's anything that will um, encompass the frustrations of uh, Aberdeen supporters such as myself at the moment, it was with three minutes to go, needing a goal to take on uh, Devlin for McLennan. When uh, Campbell and May are sitting on the bench, it was bizarre. It's not something that McInnes has done. I mean, you, you, you no. do have managers who have done that in the past. It's been a common thing. You don't really see it as much anymore. Uh, Levine used to do it a lot. I mean, Levine used, used to, to start on the centre half up front sometimes. I remember Shabalazlo used to do it for Hearts, but that was more because he didn't have any forwards or he had Christian Nadi. Um, but I've, I don't think I've seen McInnes just throw the kitchen sink at it, it, it like seems that before. To be, um, Hearts seem to bring it out of focus. I'm sure um, Kelly put Kurt Broadfoot at centre Gaslighting, forward, um, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I, think, I think it's the type of team that Hearts are. Like, the, the way that... that the way that teams think they, they th- you think you can get something against them is to kind of match them physically. So you put yeah. a big centre half in there to, if you don't have a big striker, which which Aberdeen apart from Corsgrove don't really have another one. Put someone up there and um, you know just mess them about, just someone to c- cause a bit of chaos um, in there. And that it's kind of like the idea of when you put a goalkeeper, um, you know, when you, your goalkeeper comes up from a corner, it's not because yeah. you think the goalkeeper's going to score or anything. It's just or when you're Stuart Pearson, you just stick him yeah, on. Yeah, like <laughs> literally as a striker. It's just because yeah, he's just going to um, cause havoc, and that's that's what bringing us in. And it's it, it does it, it can work occasionally when when it's um, a um, team with a fifty thousand seater stadium doing it in a Scottish Cup quarter final against Albion Rovers. That may be slightly <laughs> different, but I think it. I think it can be a useful tactic. I think. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing percentage 
football but at that point you're just you know what I mean you're just kind of knocking it up and hoping you get a scrap sticking a centre half up there increases that, pers- that min- yeah. you know what I mean the, the small chances that you have it increases it slightly so I, I would like to um, just uh, you'd mentioned the, the uh, terrace curse there's also a, a view from the terrace curse being put on uh, Andrew Considine well, the secret sauce from his performance on Saturday was uh, diarrhea. Um, it was <laughs> fucking terrible. Both goals, Conte. He might have had a good game, I don't know, but both no. goals he sold the jerseys. No. McKenna obviously took the most of the flack for the second goal quite rightly because it, it was a terrible misjudgment not he to could, try and put his foot through it. Yeah. His, he could take a touch with that with yeah. his thigh or something just and then just lump it or something. But, um, but Considine's mistake was what got them into that position in the first place. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a good... Week was well, even a good, and pass. it's a good, it's a good scientific experiment as well because he's actually been very good yeah. <laughs> until this weekend. Um, yeah, well, we've got uh, one game to finish up on, and that was Motherwell three, St Johnston nil. St Johnston missing yet another penalty. That's um, two from seven, I believe they've scored this season, and that includes missing two in the one match. Uh, and this one was Liam Craig, who used to be a very uh, dependable. Yeah, Liam Craig once scored a hat trick for Hibs, which I think included maybe a couple of penalties. Right. Um, Twenty-one penalties in his career. I've just remembered the one that he missed at Pinecastle actually, but um, at nil-nil, but um, for Hibs. But I do remember him certainly as a St Johnston player being quite a dependable uh, penalty, yeah, penalty I mean, taker, a regular penalty taker at a, a number of clubs. Um, but it's obvious, I mean, he's missed two this season, but Matty Kennedy's missed, Tony Watts missed, Danny Swanson's missed. I mean, to some extent, it's overstated because in only in a couple of those games were they like really pivotal penalties that could have changed the course of the, the, the season on, on one hand. On the other hand, you've missed five of your seven penalties this season. And that's the point. And that's criminal. <laughs> that's the point you just get one of your centre halves to run up You're the board. Yeah, yeah, big Xander Clark would put his foot through the ball with like Kevin Pressman style top bin. Um but you just need you just do need a um someone at that stage when you're just constantly missing them. Anyone to just put their hand up and go, I'm just gonna walk, please. And uh, yeah, you, you could almost feel that, and you could see watching the highlights again. Like I, I'm not a big fan of run-ups that start outside the box. I don't, don't know why that always makes me nervous about it. But you could see Liam Craig looked like he. You could see where he was trying to put it um, in the run-up, and it was. I, I he got a lot of criticism for it being a bad penalty. I don't think it was a particularly terrible penalty. I think it was a pretty good save. But he did know exactly where he was going to put it. Yeah, I. I Goal, a goalkeeper taking a penalty, uh, an example closer at home, was it Arthur Boric? Did he not yes, one he did. Yes, yeah, that was one of the best penalties. Um, yes, it was an, an oh, excellent that shootout. Yeah. yeah, that was the one that went all the way around and Will Flood missed his second penalty. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think I've ever seen that before or since. I've seen it. It happened in the, um, I remember, in, I'm sure I mentioned this in the podcast before because uh, apparently I just tell the same stories over and over again. I missed, uh, <laughs> It was an African Nations Cup semi-final. Um, it was recently we talked about, um, I think, um, and it was, I want to say, it was definitely Ivory Coast were involved because um, I'm sure like Drogba um, ended up either scoring or missing his second penalty, which is what decided the game. It might have been against Cameroon. And yeah, the same thing happened and it just seemed to be one of these penalty shootouts you're like, this is never going to finish. Is that one about five? Was it no, Zaire? No, that's not even Zambia. Zambia. It might have been, but the, the, the this Zambia one, won when they've the, yeah. been the plane crash. It, it could have been. There's, there's been a lot of. Uh, I yeah, think the like African Nations Cup is a headline of. Uh, it seems to be a place where you get good penalty shootouts, but 
Yeah, but but in a serious point, at that point, it doesn't matter how because you've you've given the list of all the guys that have missed them. It doesn't matter how good you are as a player at that point. It's about bottle and just pick the guy that that wants to put his foot through it. And if you if you if you miss a penalty by smashing it into the goalkeeper or or hitting the post or something at full force, fair enough. But these kind of a lot of the those ones that they've missed have been kind of slightly powder puff efforts. And if you're if you are missing. You know, if you've missed five of your seven penalties and you get an eighth penalty of the season, it's a thing. Like whoever's taking that <laughs> yeah, penalty, no, yeah. it's, it's a thing. You know, now this one counts. You know, this is like Stuart Pearce in Euro '96. You need to score this, even if you're four 0 up. You need to score this to make a point that you're not psychologically weak because it's you would like you'd hate to be in the St Johnson dressing room anyway when they don't win. <laughs> And at the moment they're not winning and they're playing yeah, badly. But you know, you there are a number of players now that have missed missed penalties and you can't imagine Tommy Wright throwing. Yeah, Wright was furious with the performance for the last twenty minutes of this game. Uh, Motherwell started with the same team, unsurprisingly, given their recent form, but it wasn't until they brought on Cadden and Freer uh, later on in the match. I think it was just after the hour that kind of swung the game in their favour. Freer getting the, the opening goal. Uh, was it Freer that got the opening goal? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. With uh, Charlie Dunn playing the best pass yeah. he's ever played in his career. It would have been better for him if it had also been Brexit Day, but it wasn't. So he was, <laughs> uh, was, only, was only half happy, Elliot Freer. Um, but, you know, it, it was Dunn who kind of marauded through and, um, and kind of set it up. It was a bad up. first touch. I think he was lucky there was no midfield in front of him because it, he took a really heavy first touch. But fair play, I mean, he picked a good pass after that. And um, it was a well-worked goal. I think Freer is one that um, we've all kind of talked about at times. He definitely has ability and he's been a bit unlucky that um, they obviously, for a long time, they weren't playing with wingers. And he, he was, was a wingback. Yeah, and it, it was either a wingback or it was an impact sub. And one of his worst attributes is that he's he's not the bravest player. Yeah. He's not the strongest and not the bravest. Um, and then as soon as they switched to wingers, unfortunately, um, he's been a have been playing pretty yeah. well, so he's not had many mm. chances. But I feel like when he has come on and had chances, he's actually taken them. And so it'll be interesting. I assumed there'd be one that'd be out the door, but now whether they might mm-hmm. be, in, given that Hasty's likely to be away and Aribi's only on loan um, whether they will think about keeping him on and Cadden uh, looks like he might be away by the end of the season but through his choice rather than uh, Motherwell's and he similarly although he's kind of coming back from injury he must have been um, desperate to get back into this Motherwell team mm-hmm. which has changed so much since he uh, used to play for them yeah it's a team that suits him much better like he, he been shunted out as, as you said Freer shunted to wing back he was like playing right back and playing mid, wide midfield and I think Cadden's best position is like in the middle of the park just doing a lot of running obviously Campbell does something quite similar but I think they're a slightly different type of players like Campbell's a bit more aggressive and, and maybe a bit less cultured and Cadden's got a wee bit more ability and probably a, a harder um, runner but they're both really nice players in that middle of the park but as you say they're probably not going to get the best out of them in this system because he'll, he'll be um likely away somewhere in the summer um, but I, again I think Turnbull just he's just a golden player for me you just watch him you're like, he's just so good yeah, I guess he's maybe he's kind of stolen a few of the headlines because he's kind of maybe more direct and powerful and stuff but yeah but Turnbull was dragging this Motherwell team through fixtures before Hasty was yeah. in the starting lineup. I mean, Turnbull was the one that came into this team First, before yeah. the others. Yeah, and he's he's um, just uh, every touch, every little bit. It's just he's a sort of player. Like, I don't know. Um, you can you can imagine seeing like a twenty five minute YouTube compilation of all these touches in a match with some like 
kind of mediocre classical music played over the top, like you know, like you get from like Yugoslavian players from the nineteen eighties. For the, I, I'm sure everyone's seen them on YouTube. But you, you get like Sinisa Mihailovic, he's touches and he's like just strolling about the park. Or Vladimir Yugovic for Sampdoria against <laughs> Genoa. Um, you can imagine David Turnbull compilations like that, and I, for one, will be watching. Uh, just before we finish, unless somebody else has got something to add after this, I just wanted to say Sean Goss. He's now played seven times for St Johnston. They've lost six of them and drawn one. Um, they've won one game since they arrived and he didn't play in it. Is this like St Johnston? Should, should we be blaming Sean Goss, or is, it, is he is he in a team that he doesn't he isn't suited to? Or am I being really harsh on the guy? Well, it's hard to tell because, as you say, they've only actually won one game when he's not been <laughs> in the team as well. It's not entirely... There's been two games he hasn't played since he came to the yeah. club and they've won one and lost one. Yeah, it's... I, I don't think he's particularly um, suited to St Johnston. I, I don't think he's suited to many teams in Scottish football because he's he's, he's not a, he's a very he's a luxury player who isn't good enough to be a luxury player. Yeah, yeah, so. that's what I mean. And he's not he's not quite he's good. He's nice. He's nice on the ball. Got a good left foot. Passes the ball well. But he's not quite. He doesn't quite do enough. To I'm, I'm being careful because he's playing St Johnson are playing Killing next Saturday and I don't want him to turn <laughs> up and rip us to shreds but he, he, um, he's a player who's got ability but not maybe enough ability to cover for the lack of um, general all-round effort or um, not even effort but aggression yeah I mean I don't want to sound like proper old football man but <laughs> I'm gonna um, I, they, they need a bit of bite they need a bit of nasty. I mean, the the lowest foul count in the league. They've got the, the lowest number of bookings, and obviously those are good things. But it's also indicative of a team that sometimes needs to roll up their sleeves and just and have a bit more about them in the centre of the park. And they've got a lot of good ball playing footballers this season more than arguably ever. But there's not an awful lot of grit in there, and I think he's kind of emblematic of that. Um, in that I'm sure he'll score amazing goals on the training ground um, but hasn't quite managed to fit in mm. Right, we'll just we'll leave it there then guys um, if you listeners want to get in touch you can get us at all the usual channels, be sure to watch the um, TV show that's adapted from this podcast again on um, Friday at 11 and we're going to go and record the Patreon content at the moment. And if you haven't already, you should sign up for that. There's been lots of great stuff going up. There's been Scottish Football Lives, um, where we've gone along and spoken to fans at uh, Dundee United, Montrose, Hibs, Hamilton uh, on match days. There's a Darren McGregor interview. First two parts have been up. The third part's due to go up soon. There's podcasts. A very funny um, ranking of all of Dundee United's. Transfer business um, <laughs> under the kind of Mara uh, and uh, then lastly, um, I think Mixu was included in that. Um, very funny with with Alistair Heller, um, who is um, kind of exasperated throughout. Yeah, um, <laughs> as you would be with some of the shit that they've signed. And with uh, Fowler and Gary Cocker's choices, how yes. they, where they've ranked certain players. So yeah, there's that, and there's much more going on. There's like Dundee United specific podcast, Rangers specific podcast, top twelve goalkeepers in the lower leagues, all those kind of stuff. So um, yeah, go and check check that out if you aren't already. And all that's left for us to do is to say bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.